1: Hello and welcome to Front End Nationwide. This is the Athletics' dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsign here. Allison Lucan there. Hello. Tom Reed there. Yep. And off-season edition here. Things are a little bit quiet right now. Yarmo Kikelinen over in Slovakia. Uh, as are many Blue Jacket scouts watching the World Championships. We'll talk more about that. I think the news of this week was hardly a surprise. Uh, especially since it, it broke. We sort of anticipated it during our last podcast last Friday that John Davidson would have, would be returning to the Rangers. He, in fact, did return to the Rangers, and it was made official in New York on Wednesday at a press conference there. Davidson, again, reiterating uh, that the Rangers' job is the only job he would have left Columbus for. He said he loved Columbus, and it said all the things you would expect him to say. Uh wish him well, the Blue Jackets do, uh, but there are no plans at, at this point to replace him from the outside, and I don't see any plans to replace him from the inside, necessarily. Kekalina becomes the alternate governor, or an, an alternate governor, which means he'll have to go uh, to some more board of governors meetings. Uh, always a thrill. Uh, but other than that, I think the front office is as we see it. Bill Zito appears to be uh, staying put in Columbus Yarmo uh, Kekalainen remains the GM. Uh, your guys' thoughts, and Allison, we'll start with, with you. I think we've touched on this before. I think the, the credit to John Davidson is he did a good enough job now that he can leave without there being a huge hole in the front office. Uh, I don't get the sense that much changes here, that Yarmo Kekalainen is now the head of hockey operations. He's now the name at the top. Uh, But other than that, I'm not sure much will, will change based on how they just uh, with regard to how they do their business. Is that how you see it?
2: Yeah, it is. And, and as we've talked about, obviously it's, that is, that is a product of the work that John Davidson did. It was funny. I had uh, someone from New York just ask, you know, what, what, because they're trying to figure out how much impact JD can or will have um, in this role. And they were saying, you know, what, what did he do? And, And it's, it's not a, a checklist, right? It's not a brought in this player, did this thing, did this thing, but it's that overall comfort, confidence, reputation building, and then the, the final true trust between ownership and hockey operations, which is, which is everything. It's the foundation now for this team to do what they need to do, and, and I, I agree. I don't think there's going to be any staffing changes unless someone gets a better opportunity outside. I think this is, this is the team they'll go with.
1: Yeah, now, Tom, I remember when, when John Davidson came here from St. Louis, you would ask people in St. Louis, what did he do? So what, what, what was his day-to-day there with the blues? And people would say, well, listen, I don't want to like make it sound like I'm like, cracking on him at all. I don't really know what he did, right, which is kind of how it ended here. Not that he didn't do anything, but that he was a presence, he was a sounding board, and that was really important when he first got here. But as the hockey operations department matured and as it sort of got some roots about it, he became an advisor, a sounding board, a guy who could steer conversations this way. He could use his experience to to maybe bring elements to the table that wouldn't be there otherwise. But I I think Jarmo Kekalainen is up to the task of leading an NHL front
3: office. Is that the sense that, that you get? Sure. Uh, I think – Originally when he came back I was not here I was not covering the team I think for a while there JD was the face of the franchise wasn't he
0: He, he was like on the yeah. commercials
3: <laughs> Yeah he he was he was basically the guy that uh until they started uh, getting some getting the team relevant again in the in the standings he they were selling JD uh, and 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 as it turns out they were right to do so because eventually he got it right you know right now <laughs> It's, it's weird. We're, we're I always think about this. Kids that are six or seven years old know the Blue Jackets is nothing, but they're in the playoffs every year. I mean, I, I can remember listening to J.D.'s uh, and Yarmo sitting there after what season was it where they were supposed to be so good and they had a power play. Of course, I don't know why anyone gives any credence to preseason, but their, they, their power play scored like every 30 seconds in the preseason and they were going to be a great team. They was, lost like their 15. first eight games or something. Like that. And then, I mean, that was John Davidson uh, oh. to, to use Tortorella's line, had to eat it.
1: Yeah.
3: He had to eat that season, right? So yeah, that was that's 15, what, 16 Yeah, that's what J.D. had to, he had to be the face and for a while had to take a lot of the slings and arrows when things didn't really get humming. But then after that, uh, he was able to kind of work his way into the background and the, the, let the guys that, that were running the team day to day do their job. I always think about something, Aaron, we, we talked about <clears throat> when I was here back in, I don't know, Oh, nine, 10, the whole idea that Mike priest and, 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 um, Mr. McConnell, they didn't really know anybody, right? They didn't, mm. they, they didn't have like, like, who are we going to find? Like when that, when a job would come open, where, where who are we going to go get? And that's not necessarily a knock on them because that wasn't, that's not what Mike Priest is about, right? He runs the business side of it. But he, he and McConnell ultimately uh, had to find people. And it was just so fortunate for the Blue Jackets at that time that JD was looking for another challenge after he parted ways with St. Louis. And they really stumbled into something good there because uh, after a while, like we said, once he got it going... Then, uh, you know, Yarmo kind of became more of the, the star of the front office while the players themselves became the faces of the franchise. As it should be.
1: Yeah. Uh, and to your point, Tom, yeah. Back when when Doug was fired, Doug McClain was fired. Um, so six, seven. Yes. After the 0607 season. They went to the, they asked the NHL for help, give us some candidates, where do we go here? And In fact, I had heard that Pat Quinn back then, hmm. who was, was a friend of uh, Mr. McConnell, uh, had advised them, here are some people to talk to. Bob Murray in Anaheim turned down the job that hmm. Scott Housen later took. But then when Scott Housen was relieved of, of his duties uh, by uh, – by John Davidson. Of course, by then they were up and running. John Davidson had a Rolodex full of people that he could have hired oh, right. for, went for YARMO directly. Um, so yeah, I think things have changed dramatically since then where now it's feels like it's up and running and it's its own. It, it, it's sort of running the, the team rather than the, the team is running the hockey operations department because the people there are kind of trying to figure out their way. Um, so now it's Yarmo that, that uh, gets all of the blame. I mean, the- <laughs> um, and he's got an interesting uh, plate full of stuff here. Uh, the Blue Jackets, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to the NHL draft because all kinds of stuff can happen out there. I'm not sure I need to be there until the second day at this point. The Blue Jackets have two picks. They have a third-round pick, number 81, and they have a seventh-round pick, originally Calgary's. Um there's no way that this team has just two picks in that draft. Right, Allison?
2: I mean, if you're if you're that front office team, that's that's what you want to say. It's a, but you know, you wrote a great article on this earlier this week just kind of looking at what are the ways to get picks back? And, you know, it's interesting, I think a lot of us, myself included, have said, "Oh, well they can they can do a sign and trade." Um with some of these big guys, but Correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron. I think you said that's never actually happened. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's never directly happened. There was a, a Marion Hosa situation in Ottawa where he signed a contract with Ottawa and then was immediately traded to Atlanta. But hmm. that wasn't that wasn't done because... I think the people that were involved in it aren't too excited to talk about it now, but it wasn't done as a favor to Atlanta. Right. Um, it was done because Atlanta wasn't sure they could sign him if he was traded while he was not signed. Uh, so they wanted to know they could have the player. Right. And I don't think Hosta was very happy about it. But if you remember back, God, it seems like forever ago now, it was been Danny Heatley. It was a year or so after that horrific car accident that cost the, um, the life of his teammate, Dan Snyder. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wanted out of Atlanta. He needed to change. So that was the trade. But, It wasn't purely a sign and trade like this would be. Um, Yeah, that's that's the one that's going to be really wild. It almost happened last year with Tavares, right? um, But the Islanders didn't have time to work something with Toronto um, at the last minute, so he just ended up becoming a free agent and signing. Right. Um, That's one of the ways. Among the other ways, the old-fashioned way is just signing, just trading a player. And the Blue Jackets do have extra forward. Uh, extra forwards with a lot of young guys coming into the lineup, they think, and extra defensemen, as we've talked about, their depth on the blue line. So that's something you could you could absolutely see. Um, and let me throw you the third option is them taking on a bad contract right. uh, that that maybe another team wants to unload. Now, I don't know, whew, to take Milan Lucic's contract and eat that for all those years, I don't know about that, but there are other ones – Uh, Of less term, that could be a favor. Maybe Toronto needs a favor, and uh, Patty Marlowe gets moved. Um, So those are the things. They've unloaded David Clarkson's contract that way and and got a first-round pick, gave up a first-round pick to Vegas for it. So there is some currency there with with teams that are able to take contracts. Um, Tom, your thoughts on any of those? The old-fashioned one is player for pick is sort of the most – I think um acceptable the sign and trade one's kind of got a lot going on with it and taking a bad contract <laughs> is just just feels like it feels kind of dirty. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I I, I would I would think the uh player for pick uh, seems like the 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 best option or the or the most logical one. Um Yeah, cuz you you also you're never sure Down the road, you're never sure when you're going to need need cap space. So um, I don't know. We'll see. I think player for pick to me seems like the the most logical one. It'll be interesting to see too. um, You know, with the Rangers with John Davidson, I think you had mentioned Mark Stahl. But if if they if there's some contracts they're trying to unload, although they're getting to be so young um, that that maybe. The familiarity between the organizations, if there's something, and the Rangers have tons of picks. I think right. they have two for two. They have the number two overall pick, and maybe number twenty. Yeah,
1: they have nine picks overall.
3: And they have they have number they have the, they have two first round picks. I want to say that they have the number two pick for sure. I want to say they have the number twenty pick from Winnipeg for Kevin Hayes. I don't know what that what which you could do to get get that high up or or but they do have right plenty of picks.
2: Well, and that's I mean the the it would be fascinating to be in the Jackets war room, right? Because it's all going to be related to timing because they could as you outline in your article, Aaron, they could do trade for rights to talk, which is a much lower pick, but are there enough small moves they can make where they end up with enough low-level picks that they then bundle that into a bigger trade? to move up and is there a player they really want that would entice them to do that? Like, it's just like, it's just like when we talked about the free, the uh, free agency deadline, the trade deadline in season time is, time is their worst enemy here because there's so many options, but you have to have time to execute the plan that you want to execute. Right.
1: And that, the, um, that, that for a while in fashion, and I can't remember some of the, God, the blue jackets got, Something from Edmonton to let Edmonton talk to Nikita Nikitin before he hit free agency.
2: Nikita Nikitin.
1: That's the one where I went, really? Like, nothing against Nikita Nikitin. But that that always blew me away. Like, you can't let that guy hit the market and sign him? Anyways, uh, That's some of the starch has been taken out of those because of the window that opens the Monday after the draft. Right. Where teams can talk to UFAs. Now it doesn't give you exclu- you know, trading for players' rights gives you exclusive negotiating rights until that window opens. Um, but still teams have an eight day window there before July first. And really all that I mean, that that window was never there officially, but all those deals that came together at one oh one on July first. Right. Yeah, you better believe there were talks going on before that. Um, I I think the Blue Jackets will explore the sign-and-trade option. I think it makes a ton of sense for Florida if they want to make sure they get those players and offer them something that's going to blow them away. Uh, I think the Blue Jackets could get something out of that. I think it's less likely if those players end up signing anywhere else. And People say, well, if they know they're going to Florida, then they're just going to Florida. How can the Blue Jackets monetize that? And the answer is the eighth year. And that, that mean, the eighth year means a lot to Sergei Bobrovsky, who will be 31 in September. It means a lot even to Artemi Panarin, uh, who I believe is 27 or will turn 27 in September.
2: Well, and so, it, it and, means a lot to the teams, too, because if they have an extra year, that gives them flexibility in how they build that contract, honestly.
1: In terms of AAV, yeah, right. It brings the salary cap hit down. Right. Right. Now, I do think if you're Florida, there's, there is some healthy reluctance there to sign yet another 31-year-old goaltender <laughs> to a long-term contract. Although, in their defense, he's way younger than Luongo. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, they, and what would they do? They've got to do something with, with Luongo or James Reimer before that happens. Um, so that's probably the tea leaves right there if you're looking to see something happen. What, and maybe the Blue Jackets take on one of those bad contracts. Maybe that's the contract they eat as part right. of a larger. Yeah. So it could all be very interesting. Should be a very interesting uh, stretch here. Um, the one thing that, that's going on this time of year, and it's it, um, geez, you think with the Blue Jackets going two rounds deep in the playoffs that they would have avoided the World Championships this year. In years past, it's always been sort of the exit interviews uh, day story. Um, but the one guy, of, among others, that's gone over there and had a really, really good contract, or good contract, good work, <laughs> had a really good run, is a guy who had a really, really tough season on top of another uh, tough season the year before. Alexander Wenberg. Uh, Sweden is out. They lost to Finland in the quarterfinals yesterday. Uh, but Wenberg had 3-7-10 and plus 11 in six games. Now, this is the World Championships, I'll grant you. It's not the NHL, uh, the goaltenders. I mean, here are the goaltenders at the top of the world championships this year. Matthias Niederberger, Leonardo Janoni, Andre Vasilevsky, you've heard of him, Sebastian Dom. All right, so you've got some guys that are not necessarily household names. Uh, that must be taken into account. But still, for a guy who has struggled to do anything of, of substance offensively um, how good a bit of positive news is this for Winberg at the end of the season uh, Allison you want that one
2: yeah I mean it's it, with all your caveats they're a million percent correct um, but it is worth noting that his his 10 points puts him 14th in tournament scoring in just six games and everyone ahead of him had more games um, mm. So he had a good tournament. He was playing with a player, a very talented player in William Nylander, which has got to feel good for him, too.
0: Um, yep.
2: and, and we've seen this before. We saw this from Nick Foligno, who um, he went over and played for Team USA when Todd Richards was, was coach. And right. talked about how that really rejuvenated his kind of spirit for the game after that terrible season. Um, and then, you know, Cam Atkinson even had some interesting comments after last year to just kind of rediscover his love for the game as well. So, you know, it's a, we talked about this last episode. I think it's, it's a long off season, but from a sheer just thinking about how you think about yourself and knowing what you can do on the ice, any boost for Wenberg has to be a positive in this case.
1: Yeah. Tom, the World Championships. Any any juice from you on these things? You you buy anything? You do you believe anything you see here?
3: No, I think Allison uh, summed it up perfectly. I think it's more for the player. Uh, Just again, after having a a year in which he basically um, was a passenger for a good part of it, the end of it, last after the trade deadline, you know, he scratched multiple times. just something to make him feel good after two really, really difficult seasons. I mean, two years ago we were talking about how much money this guy was going to make because he was an RFA and what a kind of a contract he was going to get. And then multiple concussions and multiple just rough seasons later, you know, he's at a crossroads with this franchise of, of, of of where he's going to go. You know, Because of the contract he signed, he would be one of those players you might think, well, maybe maybe you could deal Wenberg, but I don't know who's going to take that contract right now. Uh, despite his good performance in the Worlds, um, but he's a guy that fascinating. It's just it's 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 hard to remember a player that has has dropped off. It's, it's so young in his career, so significantly offensively. I mean, he still does all the good things defensively and a good penalty killer, but you don't make that kind of money by uh, just doing those things. And it'll be interesting to see if John Tortorella and, and they, and, and they can reach him in the off season. Uh, that, I think uh, we asked specifically about that to uh, Jarmo Kekalainen. And I can't remember the exact words, but they, they, they said that it was basically it was going to have to have an honest conversation with him about where this is going and let's let's be and hey if Matt Shane is not here and there's no. a real chance that that's the that's the case all of a sudden Wenberg at least until they do something or you know I don't I don't know if if Texier becomes a center or, or how they are Liam Booty gets a shot but Wenberg suddenly becomes another guy like we need this guy to step up here uh so um you know if Duchesne does sign then then it's 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 less imperative, but they've got if if he doesn't sign, they've got to get Wenberg going again somehow. Yeah, and that's an interesting point. I tried to reach uh, Wenberg through this
1: the um, Sweden uh, national team PR staff, and since they lost that game, they said that there will be no interviews, which is disappointing. But I wanted to ask him this stuff mostly. I just wanted to talk to happy Alexander Wenberg. Yeah. Really? It seems like it's been a couple of years since we've been able to speak to him when the questions weren't, you know, my God, what's wrong? how do you get going yada, yada, yada um, yeah, to your point, Tom, he could be a very, very important player for them next year I mean Pat- I just
3: re- I'm sorry, Aaron, I cut you off there the no, thing no, no. that the thing that the, the the image that strikes me about Alexander Weinberg more than anything was how. I got to be careful on how I phrase this because how strong it was. But he was—he wasn't devastated, but he was extremely, extremely upset with his playoff performance against Pittsburgh in his breakout season, right? And what it told me more than anything is, man, does this guy care? It really bothers him that he didn't have a really good playoff. And you remember he was called for the 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 goofy goalie interference call that cost him a tying goal. But it, it was just. I I haven't seen that passion from Alexander Wenberg over the next two years. And you know he cares. I mean, you don't get to this level without caring. But that is – they've got to get that back. They've got to get that guy that was in the locker room at PPG Arena who was just absolutely so upset with how he played in that series. And it was his first playoff, right? Everyone remembers their first playoffs. It's usually not very good. Uh, And that was that passionate player – that I just haven't seen since then, and they've got a, the Blue Jackets somehow have to unlock that and find that guy again.
1: Yeah, he's not having fun playing hockey. No, he's not. No, he's, he's not. Just, he just, it's, a, it's a, it's in everything he does. He's he is a he's a passenger, and he doesn't he doesn't feel dangerous with the puck on his stick anymore. He's yeah. he's just yeah. relegated himself to a checking. Don't get beat. Take no chances. And I don't know if it's. I don't know this. He says it isn't, but you wonder if it's just if it's, if he's um frustrated with the way that he's been coached, if he's being defiant. I don't sense clear signals of that, but there's there's something really vital missing from him.
3: And the other the other thing there is just you, you wonder if the how many we don't know exactly how many concussions he's suffered. We we know he had a couple of them. For sure. And and that I mean, look, I'm never gonna get on a guy for that. I mean, that, th- that could be part of it. I mean, th- I think the <clears throat> Allison, you, you were there with me just, I, I think Yama was saying, and it's, it's just obvious to everyone. He's not playing inside, right? Yep. He's right. not playing where the, the high danger areas the all the cliche, the greasy areas, he's not getting to those spots. And uh, when you have to go there, you, you risk getting hurt. And again, when it comes to head injuries, I'm with Allison. Uh, you just try to do everything you can, and I, you never make light of that kind of stuff because it, it it might be it might be weighing on him. And who knows who who knows where this this all goes. And then the other thing is, uh, this is really apples and oranges in some ways. But Sidney Crosby had a couple of years there where he wasn't quite the same player for a little while as he was as he was working his way back, and then suddenly the game came back to him. So. Again, I, I'm i probably taking this way too far out there, but you hope that Alexander Weddenberg comes back and has that hunger and love for the game and to tie it into a bow. Maybe this helps him a little bit with his performance at the World Championships. Yeah. Well,
2: and, and if I, I mean, and again, listen, the, there are answers that ultimately lie within the player, but uh, last year too, and we never got specifics on this, but he also, and John Davidson actually referred to this in the exits last year, if you guys remember that. Wenberg had some pretty severe injuries above and beyond the concussions that kept him out of play last (coughs) year also. And and again, coming, you know, and that's, that's what we hope is that he sees he can play. he, He sees he can hang with elite players and maybe that's something to fight for once again, because of his own doing, he certainly hasn't been put in a position to play with the very, very, very best players on the team either, right? Which hampers the way he likes to play as a player. So, again, it, you don't know what, what will happen over such a long offseason, but you just hope it can reignite maybe his, his own confidence in his game and his confidence in, in what he can do.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I, first things first is his health, of course. I have to imagine he's healthier. He would not have been playing in the world. right right? Yeah. And I I he looked okay in the playoffs, but again, was not an impact player. It's been two years since he's been an impact player. Uh, and that's, that's a long time in the NHL. Uh, anything else to add here, folks, before we sign off for the week?
2: Uh, we, we do also want to mention another player having a nice little tournament over there is Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, he's played very well. And again, it's the world, but, uh, Mark Stone got all the shout-outs for the, the game-winning goal in overtime yesterday for Team Canada, but oh. it was PL who makes that goal happen. So, uh, again, just nice to see a, a guy continue to show what he can do and um, actually draw quite a bit of attention from other media from what I saw, which, is, which only helps in terms of reputation of the player and reputation of the club.
1: I mean, he did the Drager Cafe.
2: It, it was, I mean, really? An exclusive mm-hmm. invitation.
1: That is, that's exposure. It is. Um, and people always want to know about Elvis. Uh, Elvis, a 9.14 save percentage, 2.78 goals against for Latvia. Played uh, five games, started five games.
2: Did he? I know they split the net some. They split,
3: to... they, they split the net even yeah. into the point where they kind of split them in game, didn't they, at some point? Well, they, they took it, – it was
1: Bob Hartley – uh, at times, pulled his goaltender as a way to get essentially a timeout. Correct. Yeah. and, and they- then Elvis would come right back into the game. But Elvis played in all of their games against top teams. So, like if they were up against it, and if you're Latvia, you are often up against it.
3: Right? <laughs> I was going to say um, <laughs> not a top team for Latvia.
1: Yeah, um, then you, uh, then he. It was it was he that went in. So. Right, so that, that's kind of how it worked. But I think he played pretty well. But God, the guy was off for six weeks, and then he went to a two-week camp in Slovakia, and now he's off for three months. So it's, oh. uh, there were some weird games in there too. Nine-one, ten-nothing. I think Italy got outscored. It was unfortunate. This is the this is the uh, the tournament, though. I think I think Italy got outscored.
2: Ten-one, so- I think. Oh, I or mean, on on the, the, the tournament.
1: Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. It was brutal.
2: Did you see, though, the Kuznetsov story in the from the Italy game? No, it's, it's fantastic. It's a note. It's fantastic. It's uh, apparently after that game. There you go. Kuznetsov was talking about how he could tell that whoever he was taking face offs against basically didn't know what he was doing. And he helped the guy. He's like, I told him what to do, and he, and he ended up winning a couple of face-offs, and he's like, why wouldn't I do that? Like, and and like, to our point, we sit and we talk about kind of hampered expectations from the tournament, but that's, that's the flip side of that, which makes it great, right? Yeah. Like, why not help a guy who is clearly hampered, clearly doesn't have the opportunity and the development you have? Why not give him a kernel of something to hang on to and learn and better his game in the process?
1: Come on, Italy. Uh, Italy outscored 48 to 5 Ooh. in the tournament. Austria outscored 40 to 9. Great Britain outscored 41 to 9.
3: Yeah. And not but, relegated, but, though. but Great Britain came back yeah, with not the shocker relegated. of the tournament. Shocker. Beating poor Alex Taxier oh. in France. Come and back their, their to the celebration tournament. was the best celebration, one of the best celebrations I've ever seen in sports. That was outstanding.
1: France retweeted that, that one.
3: Two in this sucker.
2: Huh?
1: France went 0-5-2. And,
2: and they are relegated. They will not be in the big tournament next year. They are uh,
1: mm. relegated. Indeed. Uh, Texier, did he have a hell of a tournament? Oh, please. Um, Alexander Texier, 1-2-3-8. Gonna... But again. But again. Uh, one right. other thing. A- Allison, you started talking about this before we turned on the mics here. The Blue Jackets are offering an unusual approach to season tickets, where that you can buy, you can buy multiple years' worth of season tickets now, right? One up to seven years, is that right?
2: I think it's up to seven, yes.
1: Yeah, and as you correctly pointed out, and I've checked on this and it's been confirmed, if you and this isn't a sales pitch from us, this is just pointing out. You know about this, the sales tax or the city admissions tax. How blue tickets at certain venues—nothing Ohio State, of course—but course. at other venues will be taxed additionally uh, to su- help support the arts in Columbus, Ohio. Am I phrasing that correctly?
2: Uh, th- that and also isn't part of it does go to the facilities, I believe. But yes, the main point is the arts.
1: Um, and the Blue Jackets have have promoted this: that if you buy season tickets before July first. You do not pay that tax. Even if you haven't paid the tickets all the way off, if you commit to buy the tickets before July 1st, you can avoid that tax. Well, it goes beyond that because the the team is now offering, as we said, multiple year season tickets. If you commit even to a seven-year plan before July 1st, it allows you to skirt this, this new tax um, uh, that, that they, that the city is sort of foisted upon them, uh, which they fought, of course they fought and, and didn't, they didn't win. Uh, but it, it's an interesting thing and Alison, you brought it to light.
2: Yeah. And what's interesting about it too, is that, you know, it's, when I first heard about this, I thought, well, maybe this is just an incentive to, to do some better planning for them long term but the the ticket tax really gives it a unique spin and and what's what's interesting about what they are offering in this long term deal, let's say you commit to seven years and then decide not there There is no penalty there this is not a set in stone you are now fully committed. You can basically back out of a, of the multiple years at any time prior to the year commencing wow. um so it's it's really. And again, this is not a, a sell, but it's, it's a really interesting benefit um, for people who are in the position to consider such an arrangement. Because well, it's kind
1: of a flick of the nose, is it not, to it the, is. the people who have <laughs> this, put this tax upon them? Yeah, I, I'm guessing the, the people who are behind the, the issue and, with the, and wanted the tax are, are not too delighted by it.
2: Well, maybe they'll have to tax Ohio State football games.
1: No, come on. Come on.
2: (laughs) But, you know, I mean, again, and the first communication that went out from the club confirmed specifically that this was about the tax um, for season ticket holders this year. This second one appears to be a little bit more nuanced. But to your point, you know what? I mean, this was the position that the organization held, and they're trying to support that interest for their season ticket holders who they surveyed and expressed that they didn't like the tax either. Um, so this, the, the club heard them and is is trying to fight for what the the fans said they wanted, I guess.
1: Yeah. Taxes tend to be not popular. Indeed. Um, although I'll say it, I think we do need to do more to support the arts. I don't think this is a horrible way to do it. No, I think it's really uh, stupid and unfair to, to tax, People at one, venue, at one venue, but not at the other, which is basically state-funded to begin with. Agree. Um, so, anyways. I mean,
2: yeah, if it was a flat tax across all, I, then I'd, I might have a different take, but it's not. Yeah, it's to do
1: support <laughs> the arts, education, all that stuff. Policemen, firemen, teachers, all of it. Right. Um, so, bring it on. Uh, anyways, uh, Tom, anything to add? Tom, are you still there? Tom's left uh, us. Tom's left the building. Wow. Um, Allison, thanks for
3: your time. <laughs> no, I'm still here. Oh, Eric is <laughs> I'm sorry, I had I, I had, oh, had it on mute there. Was, oh we uh, found the mute button.
2: That's good. That's so, good Tom.
3: Yeah, exactly. I dog was barking and no all all good. All good conversation. No, I have got, got nothing to add. I'll just I'll just hang up and listen. <laughs>
1: alright well thanks for uh, being a part of this, thanks for listening we'll talk to you next week Uh, it's going to be an interesting summer folks so stay with us, we'll talk to you soon take care